0: My name's
1: Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is the 135th episode of the podcast that is exploring, celebrating, and enjoying all of the adventures of the Marvel Universe of superhero characters and related titles. Because, of course, we've got to have our World War II fun also. And, yeah, um, yeah, we have started at the beginning. We started at the Fantastic Four number one way back in the days of yore. And we have gone all the way up to September 1966. And tonight is going to be September 8th, 1966. But, Mike, September 8th, 1966 is a very important date for completely unrelated reasons. And what would those be? The first episode of Star Trek aired.
0: (gasps) All right. Yeah. So So that means in subsequent issues, we're probably going to get a lot of Star Trek references.
1: I would imagine so. Um, Obviously this is not a Legion of Superheroes podcast, but they eventually basically start flying around in the Enterprise or like a flattened version of the Enterprise. (laughs) Really? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Their ship is basically, yeah. So a little bit of TV talk, Star Trek's uh, started. Um, My wife's father was there for the second episode. He went over to a friend's house he watched Charlie X, and he wow. was hooked. Oh, yeah. Um, That's my a sec- good one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I have had I go back and forth on it sometimes, but I've been watching the first season with my son. And um, we watch, of course, for his attention span um, and getting him to like this show. We started out watching it. We'll do it in halves. So we'll go up into the halfway uh, commercial break and then finish up the next night. Uh, and it's an interesting experience that way. But Charlie X, the emotion of that episode really rang for me this last time.
0: It's good to watch it with your sons, too, because then you can sit them down and have an honest discussion about, listen, if you ever become omnipotent, we're still not going to appreciate this behavior.
1: <laughs> oh, we actually he and I are a little bit ahead of the of the of the um, the show and are watching because we're just going a little bit faster. But um, we just finished the second the first season and we started the second season and you know the Vulcan episode where they, where Spock gets so crazy because he needs the sex? Mm-hmm. and Muck time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He hated the Vulcan parts. Wow. Which to me was like, um, that's the draw of the episode. Is you get into Vulcan and you see the, the Vulcan culture and there's a fight with Kirk. But no, he much, much preferred the first half where it's just Spock going crazy on the ship and they're trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on.
0: Well, Spock going crazy is very entertaining, so I can see that part, but... I guess, like, maybe because it's just all a lot of uh, slow marching and tradition and ringing bells. Yeah, there's a lot of that. So maybe mm-hmm. he got bored of that. But the fight was cool, at least, I thought. But
1: And there's also um, the Vulcans know what's going on with Spock better than the humans do. So he always kind of felt like they were talking over his head. Because uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, he definitely had some valid points. It was just a reaction I was not expecting
0: but the humans are who we connect with so that we experience the world just the way Kirk and McCoy do.
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly. They're like the Luke Skywalker of that episode.
1: We also have the if debut you of Cross Star Brands. If you yeah, Star I always like prefer my favorite Star is Star Search, honestly. So. Ah, that was good stuff, yeah. We also had the debut of Mission Impossible, which I've always been fascinated <laughs> by, but this mm-hmm. I've, I've sat down and been watching it recently and I'm rather enjoying it speaking of Spock eventually yes
0: I have never really I mean I remember kind of vaguely the original probably in some sort of syndication because I'm not that old but mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I've like actually sat down and like watched episodes in a way that I can remember
1: well then I the first knew of the show you know the first exposure I had was um, the first movie and in that there is a major character for the TV show who turns out to be bad and like people were really really appalled that that happened and I had no context so i'm watching the show and i'm ra- yeah it's it's fun stuff it's very episodic of course but it's it's yeah. really engaging
0: but I, I've been watching like – I find that I watch old shows too a lot now because like for one thing, if you have kids at home, watching rated R movies is just a no-go or some movie you've never seen before that you can't concentrate on as a no-go because someone's just going to bother you at some point. Mm-hmm. But like, hey, I could turn on Columbo and probably nothing really bad is going to happen on this. But <laughs> outside of this really cheesy 70s murder that doesn't show anything. Right. It's, it's kid safe. And I am I kind of enjoy the acting and I enjoy the more like the kind of slower – theater pace of it kind of you know like just a lot of talking heads not a lot of action or anything it's kind of interesting
1: well in that same vein i don't know if i, I don't think i said it a couple months ago but dark shadows just recently mm. started it, it started in july so if you want talking mm. heads and slow pace and easy to follow what's going on with distractions mm-hmm. um that's fun stuff that's all on netflix now
0: is that just the vampire stuff or even before that
1: um yeah before that too it's uh, there's a Oh, okay. I think the stuff before it's on Netflix. I know the stuff. It might be on Amazon. Amazon Prime might be where I'm watching okay. it. Um, for those who don't know, Dark Shadows is a daily soap opera, but mm. it pursues more sinister and supernatural storylines. And a little, almost a year into its run, they bring in this vampire character who was very, very loved. Um, he oh. was kind of the romanticized vampire long before Anne Rice ever did that sort mm. of treatment, but played yeah. by Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> much much later, yes. Oh, okay. In the much maligned <laughs> recent theatrical version, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, that didn't really blow my socks off. But no. they
1: each their own. Okay. It was uh, there were parts of it that I liked, but yeah, uh, was, oh.
0: some of it was okay.
1: Um, and the final season of The Fugitive is on. Oh. It Has gone to color, and um, I've watched a few episodes of that. And it's and where it's, are you watching
0: that at? Or that what?
1: the entire series of The Fugitive is on archive.org. Oh
0: always forget about that okay yeah
1: it's um it's it's all there i haven't had a single episode cut off early like the japanese spider-man show is on there too but there are a couple episodes that aren't the, the file upload was corrupted so it didn't get the oh. entire episode frustrating um, you can still watch you know 99 percent of the show but as far as the fugitive i've seen every episode so far and it's been great awesome very uh, very progressive for its day too lots of good treatment of Women and race dynamics with very few missteps. Um, And what else is going on this season? Doctor Who is starting up its fourth season. So William Hartnell's last two stories are playing out. William Hartnell. Oh, okay. Yep. First Doctor. It's funny. he called that far. He Hmm. called in sick for the seventh episode. So they wrote him out of the eighth. Like, that's where they killed him off.
0: Have you seen that documentary? Well, not documentary. Docudrama of how the show was created.
1: I Adventure did. Adventure in when space it, and time? Yeah, when it aired, I saw it. it like the 50th anniversary thing.
0: That's pretty interesting. Like, it's good. Like, if anybody was going to start down a Doctor Who Who rabbit hole or a marathon or whatever, I would totally recommend watching
1: that first just for the backstory, kind of. Yeah. It's kind of interesting stuff. Well, one of the things that they're doing now that they, they didn't have back in my day is that they're animating some of the episodes that were lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the one that was just that I just recently finished watching the Makra Terror it's the one with Mm -hmm. the giant crab that was really really well done like I would actually prefer to watch that over the original because the crab is actually
0: (laughs) well okay yeah
1: a moving creature and not just Mm -hmm. a giant cardboard prop
0: (laughs) that's the tough part about who is like those reconstructive ones are really hard to get through sometimes
1: yeah the if animations you, they are, don't
0: have any animation or anything yeah
1: some of the animations in the early efforts are a little stiff but mm-hmm. overall it, it, but still, it's still
0: better than just stills which is yeah. what i which is what i was watching when i was trying to get through this i got to the second doctor but then by the time you get a second doctor like his first five seasons are completely missing or something seems yeah. like so it's Two like thirds. oh my god this is really hard and i i quit so now i have to start over because that's me and I can't remember anything.
1: (laughs) You could just jump into season six where it's mostly there.
0: I could. I'll just have to bum your list and start again.
1: You and I are too similar in that regard. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, lots and lots and lots of good TV on right now. Very, very cool era for genre television.
0: I do remember thinking, though, that that... uh, Gosh, we're just not talking about Marvel Comics at all tonight. Sorry, everybody, but that's okay. Um, I do remember thinking that first Doctor transferring into the second Doctor was pretty... uh, horrible like yeah like he was just sleeping like you don't even see his face or anything
1: um he's not s- even
0: in that last episode if i recall he gets tired and lays down and everybody else solves the problem and then they go in there and it's like what's going on with the doctor and he turns to the second doctor and it's like wow william hartner i am so sorry that you didn't get a big send-off because we're so
1: used to big send-offs you know right he is completely absent from the third part of that he's in the fourth but like you said he's really worn down he doesn't uh, participate very much. And yeah. he basically stumbles in and dies. Um, yeah. The transition is a really tight zoom on his face, uh-huh. but the the existent video is kind of fuzzy. And honestly, when Hartnell's face turns into Troughton's face, mm-hmm. I have a hard time telling a difference in that shot because it's so grainy. I,
0: I think originally their concept was just to make him a younger version of himself
1: yeah yeah like, They
0: were like just, it's like it's just rejuvenation not regeneration you know? exactly
1: because they were just going to try to figure out how to make it keep going with a new actress. So they they called it renewed and they youth and dim and they recast the part and the rest is history
0: but then of course the second guy was so different in personality that you really can't argue regeneration
1: <laughs> instead yeah
0: because <laughs> he's a much more interesting not i don't know not more interesting but
1: definitely a different character definitely different I really like him. Keenan has not warmed to him yet, but I, I like him.
0: So anyway, that's our preview for our Doctor Who podcast that's going to be coming out
1: sometime <laughs> before 2030. <laughs> it's, it's an idea. It's an idea. It's an idea. Um,
0: or was it our Star Trek podcast? I can't remember. One of the two.
1: Our, our Who Trek Marvel Wars podcast.
0: Our <laughs> Who Trek Marvel Wars. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, so we are going to be talking tonight about um, not just TV, but also Sgt. Fury 36, Tales of Suspense 84, Amazing Spider-Man 43, and new title, Fantastic Four 57. New title? Well, you see, Mike, they canceled The Fantastic Four. Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) What's great yeah. about Fantastic Four is we started with number one, and that legitimately is number one. So every time yes. there's a Fantastic Four, it's like, wow, we did 57 of these.
1: Right. Well, we were just talking about the the twelfth fifth anniversary of Marvel, and it, we're almost to 60. Now, Fantastic Four is bi-monthly there at the beginning, which is why we're not already to 60. But yeah, mm-hmm. we're almost to 60, and that's, that's a lot of months of comics.
0: And I think when FF was bi-monthly, there was nothing else to cover. So we didn't – I don't know if we skipped anything in particular. You know, like we didn't – have yeah. other things in between that. I think it was just FF for the first three issues, right? Something like that? Yeah. There was a smidgen of Ant-Man in there somewhere. Yep, yep, yep. All righty. So shall we transform back in time? Oh, we're all this Fantastic Four talk. I opened up
1: Fantastic Four, but we're going to talk about Sergeant, Sergeant Fury first. Fury first. That's right. My brother, My enemy. Mm-hmm. The Place, an infiltration course on a strategic army base in Britain. The occasion, the training of a new howler, as lovable Dum-Dum Dugan puts five combat eager commandos through their power-packed paces. Blockbuster editing by Stan Lee. Bullet-scarred script by Roy Thomas. Battle-ready art by Dick Ayers. Bomb-happy inking by John Tartaglioni. And ballpoint pen lettering by Sam Rosen. Um, so yeah, last issue, Dino Manelli was injured on the journey back from Greece. And, um, was it Greece? I think it was Greece. Yeah, it was Greece. Okay, sure. Or they went to Greece, mm-hmm. but then they got captured and got taken to Germany. So they w- they're coming out from Germany. Um, and Eric Koenig from Germany joined the Howlers. So he is training along with them. And, um, there's some training stuff in Koenig... I guess Koenig is the general uh, Americanized pronunciation. Koenig is a little bit of a maverick during the training and goes off in a situation that almost gets himself killed. couple of howlers go to save him. They could have gotten themselves killed in the process too, but uh, the fact that they, uh, you know, put themselves in danger to save him kind of helps him realize that like, he doesn't really have to prove himself that much. he, is accepted and, you know, by the other howlers. And he's going to learn that lesson more as the story goes on. That's kind of the point of this issue. Um, Sergeant Fury shows up in a Jeep and says, Hey, we've got a mission. Let's go back to headquarters. So they all drive back to talk to happy Sam. Happy Sam says, Hey, y'all need to go to um, uh, Switzerland. There is this German uh, colonel named Ludwig von Baum, who is a top Nazi strategist and they're transporting him to Italy. But they're going through Switzerland. Switzerland is a neutral country and therefore the transport of military personnel across their borders is not permitted. So if there were any military personnel being transported that were found, Switzerland's policy is to capture them and hold them and will return them at the end of the war. Um, so they're going to send in their military personnel, they being, uh, the, uh, allied forces to capture Ludwig von Baum for, um, cause they just want to keep him out of Italian hands. Can't let him get to the fascisti. He's too much of a brain. They got to They got to stop it. He is being taken, um, and escorted by, uh, a young Capitan Wilhelm Hauser. Wilhelm Hauser is an old buddy of Koenig. They were friends. They went into the military together. However, whereas Koenig became disenchanted of everything, Hauser became like a diehard uh, Nazi patriot who's even gotten like commendations for how cruel he is to people. So um, they basically became polar opposites who used to be friends. So you can kind of see where this is going to go. So they fly in. The Howlers are going to be disguised as medical personnel on a medical uh, supply train, which is how all this is going to go down. Um Koenig is their German speaker. So he's basically he's going to be the one who uh, liaises with the other people. Because in Switzerland, you speak three languages and he speaks all of them. Um Those are French, Italian and German. Um, What happens? So... There is a uh, um, there's one of those things where like the cars go up the rope on the mountain and uh, uh, Mm -hmm. what's his brains Um, Pinkerton tries to slide down one of those with his umbrella and things go awry there. I don't don't think it's in it ends up being that important. Um, The uh, the Germans do get on the train. The allies, the howlers also get on the train. Um, There's shenanigans and it all ends up with Koenig. Facing off with his old friend on the roof, while the other Howlers try to find and capture Lufon Baum, um, Kainig is like, "Hey, you know we're friends. I can't shoot you." Hauser's like, "I don't care. I'm totally gonna shoot you." Uh, Kainig's like, "No, I don't think you will." And to prove it, I'm throwing my gun away, and he throws his gun off the side of the um, the train. And Hauser's like, that was really stupid because I'm totally about to kill you. But then he gets shot by Gabe Jones, who crawled up the um, the side of the... No, he doesn't get shot. I'm sorry. He gets stunned by Gabe Jones, who crawled up the side of the train and blew his bugle at them. So by distracting the Nazis, he's able to save Koenig. Koenig jumps in for the physical melee fight. Um, Reb shows up, grabs Von Baum. And it's just Koenig and Hauser up on top. And they're like, hey... We're approaching a tunnel, Hauser. Get down. You're going to get hit. Hauser's back instead of the tunnel. He's like, no, I'm not. You're making up crap. But sure enough, he does get hit by the top of the tunnel and uh, is probably killed in the whole situation. Von Baum is captured by and, uh Von Baum is detected by the Swiss officials at a stop. He is taken into custody and the Howlers head on home. Um At one point, Koenig is like, hey, I should probably talk to fury and apologize and confess for what I did. And he's like, you know, Sergeant, I, um, that, that was my friend. If Fury's like, yeah, I know the big wigs knew all about it and we uh, had to do it, but you know, Koenig's like, yeah, but, um, I couldn't shoot him. I threw my gun away. So I don't think I'm worthy. And fury's like, dude, um, maybe that wasn't the best choice, but I'm not entirely sure that anybody else in the same situation wouldn't have made the same choice. As far as I'm concerned, you're you're a howler like the rest of us. So welcome up to the team. And Koenig is like, dude, I am so happy to be here. And that's the end of the story. Yeah. I really
0: liked this one. I was going to say, outside of number 13, this has probably been my favorite issue we've covered
1: so far. I felt like, you know, a lot of times in these issues of late, we've complained about the, the, the scripting. And the scripting was definitely pretty dense here. But I kind of felt like the complexity of the plot justified it. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of felt yeah, like it, it didn't follow you as much. Mm-mm.
0: I didn't even think about it, really. I think it was pretty good paced. And I was thinking, like, remember when they introduced Pinkerton? Mm-hmm. And I think my complaint on that was, like, outside the introduction, Pink, he doesn't do anything. He didn't even, like, be the ultimate reason, like, to stop the bad guy, which seemed like a no-brainer for that mm-hmm. issue, right? Have Pinkerton prove himself. And he was just, like, a regular old howler. Nothing happened. So it's like they almost learned their lesson. And we're like, okay, we have a new howler this time. Let's really – uh Put him through the paces dramatically, yeah, it, which
1: I think worked really there, good. there are two typical things when you have a new member who's also a defector. You're, you you got to have your learning to fit in story. You also have to have your test your loyalty story. So this kind of, mm-hmm. you know, assassinates two avians with a single projectile, so to speak.
0: That's true. Putting a German on this team is very interesting. Yeah, yeah I like it. I don't know. If, it might get boring after a while, but right now it's not.
1: And it doesn't, isn't you know, who's to say it, it's going to come into this plots all the time because right, it, it's something that can be used. Um, but yeah, I kind of felt like I was reading a, a little, you know, an extended short story or, or a short novel. Just there's a lot going on and the scripting didn't bother me.
0: It felt, it felt very James Bond in a way because it's like they go to Switzerland and there's all this beautiful scenery and there's this undercover stuff and they're, they're supposed to like sneak onto a train and slowly but surely knock out all the Germans as they try and cross the border mm-hmm. To get out of neutral territory. It's like, wow, that's just all very espionage, which I enjoyed a lot. Um, Although that is my one nitpick is they say something like, I don't know. I can't remember how that worked exactly. The Germans were definitely trying to get out of Switzerland before they became Germans again or revealed that they were Mm -hmm. Nazis. Um, But it seems to me, I think like Nick in the end here lets Switzerland catch the guy they were after. And he's like, Sam Sawyer doesn't care as long as the dude doesn't get to Italy. Right. That's his theory. And it's like, well, if that's the case, why didn't you just alert the authorities when they were all walking through town being Nazi like, Uh, you know, that would have been easier. Just, just have them arrested. So what was the real, I thought the real plan was to get them out of Switzerland, take them out and take them home. And they don't end up doing that, but that's okay.
1: Minor nitpick. Maybe it was a preference matter. Like if you can get them, get them. But if not, at least let the Swiss have them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess that's
1: what happened. Um, One thing I forgot to mention is that whenever fury Uh. comes out to the camp to get the howlers, the guy who's driving his Jeep is Jason Sitwell. Who's like, Oh
0: yeah. That, Mm -hmm. that
1: guy is just a sort of Sergeant. I'd like for my son to serve over one day. And I was like, okay, that's like needlessly gratuitous, but it also made me smile. (laughs) Yeah. That was cool. That was fun actually. But yeah, having Koenig on the team is cool. Um, I stopped reading ahead, so I don't know how long this lasts. Mm. Uh, I got the impression from, um, just various stuff that I've come across that he's actually here for a long time. So yeah, Koenig's here.
0: I liked all the confrontations between him and various other Germans who were calling him traitor. And in his mind, they're the traitor. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. It does a
1: lot to, um, to validate the German civilian while you're demonizing the German government military. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. it, cause, one of the dangers in stories like this is you're you're telling a war story, you're demonizing the other side. It can feel like you're saying the entire ethnicity, nationality, whatever is 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 bad. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this does enough stories that say, no, we're not saying all the Germans. We're just saying we're fighting their army. The German people themselves are totally cool. I think on the death of his friend, mm-hmm.
0: whose name escapes me, that's like Dick Air is like that's where comic panels excel sometimes. Between 17 and page 18, you see the guy about to get hit by the tunnel entrance. And then the next page is just the the train in the tunnel with like the screech yeah. uh noise, and it's just like, yeah, that guy didn't
1: make it. That was a really cool, effective scene, I thought. And there's no way to like justify and say he survived. Like as a yeah. writer, you just have to like accept this guy died.
0: Uh, he could come back with like robotic parts and, <laughs> in, in 1975 or something. We don't have that the skull technology to bring him back to life. Yeah. So I never noticed this. But I always thought Gabe had a trumpet, but he has a bugle. And uh, I swear, in the past, he has talked about playing various jazz standards. I wish I could remember which mm-hmm. ones, but I remember noticing that because I like me some jazz. So I'm like, "Ooh, he's playing that song. I know that song." But I cry baloney, then that he can play those standards on a
1: bugle. That's just. I completely agree. Had never thought about it. I'm sure he plays jazz trumpet back home. (laughs) He must. And maybe he carries a trumpet sometimes, maybe, but I think it's just a bugle most of the time. And yeah, bugle is limited. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much.
0: Oh yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a really good issue. I like the way they introduced the character for once we get character. uh, uh, I thought it was pretty fast paced. I don't normally like, these these issues kind of feel bogged down, but I didn't feel that way reading this one. So,
1: and I like his, his you know his self doubts, his reasons for feeling like he mm-hmm. doesn't belong, and the efforts that they all mm-hmm. go to to you know really just kind of cancel that mm-hmm. out and show that the things that he feels that make him feel like he doesn't belong are things that all humans feel. So he does belong because they're just a team of humans.
0: Yeah, none of the howlers give him a hard time, which you know some of them could have and maybe justifiably, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Unlike, uh, McGivney's people,
1: but, and we kind of had the opposite of this story a while back where there was that one really, really, really racist guy on the team who's like Uh America for Americans. And that obviously meant white Americans, but not, not ethnically European white Americans. Like you got to have names like Smith and Jones, not Giuseppe, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of wrong white. Yep. Yep back in the day not
0: so much now maybe i don't know probably
1: still in, in some areas but a 100 years ago is a lot more common mm-hmm. we were more nuanced back then with our racism. Uh sadly <laughs> we have <laughs> we have dumbed down but it really it really intensified <laughs> our racism uh-huh all right speaking all right. of racist should we move on just kidding <laughs>
0: speaking of racist, I, don't, I don't know what that means well, Caps notoriously racist. Okay, Tales of Suspense, number 84. The most daring different supervillain of the year, the super-adaptoid. But before that, because cover covers Caps this month, but Iron Man still gets the front story. It's the invisible Iron Man, the other, the Iron, other Man. Iron Man. Story, Stan Lee. sorry Stan Lee, Art Gene Colin, Inking Frank, Giacoya, Lettering, Sam Rosen. So, yeah, we finally get... Oh, I can... Read this little paragraph. I didn't notice it right there. They kind of blended it in with the desk. At last, Tony Stark appears before Senator Byrd's congressional committee to reveal the secret which the world is eagerly waiting to learn. And now, as a hush falls over the chamber, the session begins. So the first question they ask is uh uh Oh, they don't even get to the first question. So he's like already looking sick, Tony, right? And they're like, now for our curse first question, Mr. Stark, and he's like, "Oh." Oh my heart and he falls over and passes out and the news are all going crazy like is this a joke no it's not a joke he's really unconscious what the heck oh my gosh the stress must have been too much for him and they open it up and they find like a metal chest thing in there and they're like oh wow he was more damaged than we suspected back in vietnam or whatever and like even senator Byrd now is thinking like oh i've gone too far maybe this guy's more heroic than i thought because he's a war veteran and injured and stuff um and they take him away and Pepper and Happy are listening to this on the radio and Pepper cries and they both go over to visit. And on the way, Happy thinks about how, like, he was going to be relieved that the whole world was going to know about Iron Man. But now that Stark has passed out, it's just the two of them sharing the secret. He's stressed out about it. And also, dang it, he really likes Pepper. But, of course, Pepper likes Tony when he's unconscious and stuff. Urgh. So they get there and uh, – there's all these reporters talking about asking him, is it true? Is it true? You're Iron Man. Is it true? And Tony's like, no, no, I don't know where you're getting that from. And Pepper <laughs> rushes in and hugs him and uh, 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 Happy, like, says, I got to get out of here. Uh, I can't be around this anymore. But on his way out, he sees a headline that says, like, Tony Stark may actually be Iron Man. And he's like, geez, even after he passes out and doesn't admit anything, people still think he's Iron Man. He's He needs help here. We got fi- to fix this. We got to figure out a way for Iron Man and Tony Stark to be in the same place at the same time. And then we cut to the next day, even though Tony Stark is still in the hospital, Iron Man's flying <sighs> around. And these two these two beaten-it kids like witness it and go, "What? We thought Tony was Iron Man, but he can't be because there's Iron Man right there." And Iron Man's like flying, but he's kind of bad at it and he falls, but then he kind of plays it off like I meant to do that PB Herman style. And then he flies back up and he kind of races around with the motorcycle guy. And then at some point, Iron Man gets on a comm link with somebody else and asks how to fly this stupid thing. And the person on the other end tells him what to do. You know, press this button, spread your arms this way, and there you go, level out. You're perfect now. Whee! And he he flies away. And the witnesses are like, see? Tony Stark can't be Iron Man. Cut back to Iron Man sneaking into the hospital. He takes his helmet off, and (gasps) it's Happy Hogan. And he's visiting Tony Stark, apparently the two of them were in on it together. Tony taught uh, Happy how to get through the safeguards and operate the the suit. And Happy's like, how come you don't just admit that you're Iron Man like you planned to? And Tony's like, you know, having a heart attack over the decision, I kind of feel like the answer is I shouldn't. So now I'm going to just stick to close to my original guns and, and not tell anybody. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to the Mandarin, and he has his magic science. And one thing he can do now, I guess, is just watch people wherever and whoever they are. And so now he's decided that Happy Hogan is Iron Man because he's watching it on this radar. And remember from the last time we saw the Mandarin, he also has a Star Trek power. So he presses a button and as Happy and Tony are talking, Happy disappears. And Tony's like, well, what? He's gone. Just the way I vanished when the Mandarin captured me. So it must be the Mandarin. So even though I'm really sick, I'm going to get up and help.
1: Next, Into the Jaws of Death. Yeah. So the Mandarin tried to capture Tony and didn't realize he accidentally captured Iron Man. And now he tries to capture Iron Man and doesn't realize he accidentally captures the wrong Iron Man. Mandarin is really bad at this. Really bad, but like, even
0: though the audio portion of my global scanner is inoperative, that way we can justify that he didn't just hear that conversation about how Tony Stark is really Iron Man. I have seen enough to know for certain that it is Tony Stark's assistant who is actually Iron Man. So he can just camera on people all day and night from anywhere in the world? Because it seems like if he can do that, he should already know who Iron Man is. I guess. That's kind of bonkers and lazy. And I don't like the Mandarin still. But hey. And this reminds me of that plot where uh, Happy Hogan, I mean Happy Hogan, uh, Foggy Nelson was Daredevil and... And what the glad not gladiator, the other guy was mass marauder was going to attack him.
1: No, it was a gladiator. Gladiator attacked him.
0: Oh, it was a gladiator. Right. But mass marauder, mass marauder also overheard foggy bragging to Karen about it and all that. So it's like they're they're really milking this idea, I guess.
1: In the moment, I thought it was kind of fun. It's a bit of a twist. They go after he, uh, he goes after Iron Man and gets the wrong one. But in this story, I guess this story just kind of proves that Happy Hogan is one of the best guys. Yeah. he He's good to Pepper. He's good to Tony. He doesn't like what's going on between the two of them, but he's just going to try to be the best guy he can about all of it and support both of them. He's he's better than Foggy.
0: Yeah. Fog, Foggy gets downright nasty with Matt sometimes when he's thinking about how, how much Karen likes Matt. Yeah, you know? definitely. And Foggy Foggy's more like, well, I'll just get out of their way. It's cool. I'll go live in with my grandpa. Um uh, uh 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 I call shenanigans though on page 3. Okay. Up until this point, that metal thing around his chest that's keeping his heart full of shrapnel was always orange with a big yellow circle in front of it.
1: Yeah. And
0: now it's just this generic metal panel so that nobody can figure out that it is Iron Man.
1: Well, okay, so remember we've been kind of wondering about his chest plate um and how that relates to his iron man armor because it seems like you know his iron man armor was all completely separate now so he does still have a chest plate but somehow it's no longer his iron man chest plate mm-hmm. i don't know if that's like a change in the armor just, that he made at some point i think it's just convenient for the story
0: i think so because if they ripped it open and saw a big old s on his chest they'd know he's iron man right so let's just make it a gray piece of metal oh we, i guess you could headcanon that Tony Stark knew he was coming here, so he swapped it out with a more generic thingy, just in case, or something. I like don't know. The,
1: the, but he's never has The before. iron chest piece from his original suit or something? No, because that's painted gold now, but something <laughs> like that. Maybe. Um, look out, y'all. Senator Byrd might actually be a good guy. He says, mm-hmm. this is no act. I'll stake my reputation on Stark's integrity. He and I may have had our differences, but he's always been a man of honor. He's not faking this. Yeah. I'm
0: going to go and pray for the life of a brave man.
1: Yeah. There's that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it also takes him having to figure out that he was wounded in Vietnam for him to have respect, but I don't know. That's, I guess if that's the reason, that's fine. Well, I mean,
1: he has legal reasons and political reasons to, to, to prosecute Tony. But when it comes to Tony's Mm -hmm. health, it's like, okay, all that stuff is less important now than him surviving. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I don't love that Pepper is all about Tony right now, but there's not much we can do about that. Yeah, that completely
0: 180 again, didn't it? It
1: seems to be where they are with her. Mm-hmm. Okay, we see the door that says A Stark Private, and like it always throws me when I see something like that because I don't think of him as Anthony Stark. He's mm-hmm. Tony Stark. His initials are T S, not A S. Well, A Stark is in there yeah. anyway. Some Stark. We don't know which one. Oh, hey, Stark
0: <laughs> could be his could cousin. Twenty twenty. His dad. dad? Have I
1: told you about the uh, um, the Iron Man Epic Collection that I'm reading right now? No. Which one? Okay. So there's the Marvel Epic Podcast because and they're going through all of the Epic Collections Marvel's been putting out and oh. and this this is great. Like they release volumes about a particular big run of a character. But they're not numbered one, two, three, four in the order of release. Like, they plotted out where this particular run of Iron Man would be, what volume number it would be. And they released mm-hmm. Iron Man Volume 10 as their first epic collection. Right. So I started reading it because, A, it's collections of, you know, big Marvel stories and I wanted to listen to the podcast. I wanted an excuse to read them, so I'm reading them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know as I was getting into the story why this was an important run though. So like there are these surprises as I've been going along. Um, It is the Obadiah Stane story. Uh Ah, and it is the Tony falls back off the wagon and James Rhodes Uh has to take over story. Okay. And I'm reading it. I didn't know those were coming. So just like, Oh, this is why this was their first Iron Man collection because all of this is really big for the movies. Um, I can't remember if we talked about these
0: on the show already or we were just talking off the air. So apologies if this is a rerun. But, yeah, I was looking at those lists recently Mm -hmm. because I think that's just amazing that they're collecting all these classic volume ones, you know. And part of me is like, oh, no, but I got to read all this stuff in order because that's just how we do things these days. But then another part of me is like, I kind of like that they're out of order because that's how you did things when you were a kid. Nobody started with freaking Iron Man number Mm -hmm. one. You started with Iron Man 286 and you just figured it out. Right. So it might be fun to read Epic Collections in whatever order they see fit to present them to us and just piece it together eventually as you get them all. That's
1: kind of how I feel. Um, I'm going to keep on reading them, you know, slowly, much more slowly probably than Mm -hmm. they're putting them out and listening to the podcast. But um, one of the things about this particular show format that we're doing is that we're just not going to get to some of those, you know, later but hugely important storylines and so this is my way of experiencing them without reading the entire Marvel universe to get there. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a nice. Uh,
0: and, and we are reading these in order on this show. So you could always just say in the back of your mind that you are doing it that method Right. in addition. And maybe when I'm 50, <laughs> and, I'll be at Iron Man 200 yeah. and, and, having and read everything. And maybe, and you'll have forgotten all about it. So <laughs> we'll cover it again.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is a fun Iron Man chapter. I I think I enjoyed it, it a lot is. more than some of the stuff they've done recently. But Iron Man hasn't been too bad. Oh like yeah, that.
0: yeah. Um, I feel like for some reason I feel like this first story got the shorter count of pages, but I was too lazy to actually count them. But it was a really fast read. Wasn't it was it? a fast read. It, it still has like- the
1: twelve page count, but um, but it okay. was a fast read. Like nothing really happens, but it's still fun. Tony's dying, and Happy Hogan becomes <laughs> Iron Man.
0: First other Iron Man
1: technically, Mm -hmm.
0: for five seconds.
1: And I have another other Iron Man in my zinger at the end. That's
0: going to be a thing. Okay, so should we move on to Captain America, not Iron Man? Yes. The Super Adaptoid. Adaptoid, an artificial being in human form, able to assume the powers and appearances of any living person who stands before him. Having captured the amazing Adaptoid last-ish, Captain America now brings the other Avengers to study it, a Stan Lee, Jack Kirby powerhouse production, delineated by fearless Frank Giaquoya, lettered by swinging Sammy Rosen. I finally got that right for the first time. For the first time. Okay. So, yeah, Cap is, they're all in that like weird basement, technological basement they have in Avengers that basically they live in constantly now. And it's Cap, Hawkeye, Wasp, and Goliath. And I'm only saying that because we've been following the Avengers and their roster keeps changing lately. So, that's who's there right now. Um, and Cap's mostly bringing in Goliath because, of course, he's the scientist. So can you study this guy? And the Daptoid's just sitting there on the table and he doesn't appear to be awake. But Cap's point is we don't really know what awake is for this thing. For all we know, he's all listening. Sure enough, he is. But And Goliath is like, you know, I totally want to tinker around on him. But me and Wasp have some avenger things to do. So we'll come back tomorrow. And Hawkeye's like, yeah, and I'm going to go snuggle with black widow and also i'm not a scientist so cap's like okay we'll see you guys later as they leave the room we get the thoughts of the adaptoid sure enough not only was he listening but his power is he can scan people in proximity and they were all standing around the table so cap is now thinking to himself what an archaic has been he is but he has to keep trying but before he can get too far lost in thought he's shot um But, you know, he blocks it because he's Captain America. It turns around, and there's a giant amalgam of all the Avengers that were just there, including Captain America. So it's like a giant Goliath with a Hawkeye head and Cap body and uh, Hawkeye arrows and wasp wings. So rad. Anyway, Cap immediately attacks it, recognizes it as the super Adaptoid, or it announces itself, actually. So Cap attacks it. Finds out very quickly that it's just as fast as he is, but as strong as Goliath. It starts smacking him around. Um, At some point, it does offer to spare his life if he's willing to, um, he says, become an adaptoid like him, but he also just offers, like, you know, help him take over the world together. Cap says no, gets into a fight. Or they fight, fight, fight. At some point, Cap is exhausted. So his strategy is to say, "Uh, you know, I, yeah, I haven't seen you fly yet. So you're probably not like all the Avengers, right? And that stalls the, the super adaptoid enough to give Cap some breather to prove that he can fly. So he grabs Cap and flies into the air. Unfortunately, it also makes the adaptoid grab Cap and fly into the air. So backfire. Now Cap's struggling not to be dropped. He holds on for dear life. He kind of manages to squirrel his way around. And grab onto the adaptoid's wings, which make them both plummet. The adaptoid grabs onto the bri- a bridge, and Cap also grabs onto a bridge, falls off, and also grabs on a bridge. The two of them fight on this bridge. Uh, f- at some point, the adaptoid finally grabs Cap, manages to pull his hold off his foothold off the bridge, and basically just toss him like a baseball. Um, so Cap's about to splat on the ground. But since he's so high in the air, he does like some cool parachute maneuvering things to guide himself closer to the, uh, I don't know what it is, body of water. What is this, the bay or Mm -hmm. something? Anyway, so yeah, he manages not to splat. He almost hits a boat, but then he just, he does slap into, splap with three Ps into the water. Um, The super adaptoid pats himself on the back and then he says, now I shall wait for my... A-I-M masters to tell me what to do. He waits five seconds and then he's like, hmm, I hear nothing from them. Perhaps they're gone. I hear nothing from
1: them. Sorry.
0: From them, from A-I-M, or them, or they. um, Perhaps they're gone. Or even if they're not gone, I'm not sure I want them to disable me as I've seen them do so many times with their creations that have been successful. Like they always just turn them off and throw them away. And I'm my own independent person. I'm becoming more powerful and stronger and smarter than ever. I think I'll just take over the world all by myself and forget AIM and them and, and everybody else. And he flies away and the final three panels is Cap's hand and head coming out of the water. So he did live, but he's kind of like half conscious and hurt and pretty bad. And it says the end. So I don't know. Is
1: this to be continued or is it over? Um guess we'll find out. I think this particular story is over. Yeah. I think the Zerba is going to go off so and do the adaptoid, other
0: things. So uh, goes flying over to the Submariner
1: story or something. I made that up, but, you know, so, it's going to show up somewhere. So Captain America falls into the water, and I don't know New York geography enough to know, but I know that they're, like, the island of Manhattan is surrounded by water. So on one side, it's sure. called the Hudson River, and maybe both mm-hmm. sides are called the Hudson River. I just don't know, but um, that's where he's falling. The East River is the East yeah, side. the just, river. Is the West side. I was just trying to see if he said it. He just says the docks. Mm-hmm. So I don't know wherever that is. Well, when you look so, at a yeah. map of, um, when you look at a map of Manhattan, the left side is literally a whole bunch of rectangles sticking out of it because of all the docks. So there, okay. there are many, many, many docks on the west side yeah. of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that scene though. He gets tossed so high that he's like
0: got time to sort of maneuver into something that's less painful when he crashes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've always kind of wondered about the whole, can I actually move myself laterally through the air while I'm falling? I don't know exactly how possible that is, but I think you can, if you have enough
0: height, but that means that the adaptoid threw him very, very,
1: very high, very high. Yeah.
0: I mean, we've all seen Deadpool too. You know, they can move around (laughs) when they jump out of that airplane. And
1: then, um, then, um, the adaptoid flies away with a peak of like existential angst.
0: Mm-hmm. He's like
1: I, I, he's, he's become self-aware. I've heard of other intelligent artificial beings who like finish their purpose and then and then just like stop working and I can't let that happen to me. I wanna live, I want power, I've gotta go. So yeah. Mm-hmm. He's pretty cool looking. This is what I think of when I think of the super adaptoid. It's always like, okay, we've gotta get the the generic white blob guy into this state. Mm-hmm. It's funny that he picks green. That's the one color none of these Avengers have. But. <laughs> it's the Avengers, but a villain color. Yeah. Um, and it's basically the mimic. I want to know,
0: like, I wanna, what's the story that Goliath and Wasper, what are they doing? What are they doing that they couldn't hang out? But that's okay. Uh, I'm just going back. It's kind of funny. It's just enough so that everybody hangs out so that he can copy them. Right. She- I have Avengers business to finish up for the next few hours. I'll return immediately after. What Avengers business? I'm the leader. I don't know anything about your Avengers business. Yeah, movies. we are the Avengers. What oh, are you doing? Wait, Goliath is the leader. I
1: forgot. And if it's Avengers business, why is Hawkeye not going with them? Because <laughs> it's yeah, not. Exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe, maybe it's euphemism. Maybe he and Jan were like in the middle of a hot day on the town or something. I don't know.
0: I was thinking just to be picky or... Uh, Whatever, like what is the jurisdiction here and should Cap have called like SHIELD or something if you capture a known A known agent of AIM robot? Yeah, or something. Like they should be boxing him up and studying him, right? Why Avengers? Why do the Avengers get to keep him and not tell anybody?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um I mean he did talk to Fury about AIM not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um sort of at the beginning of all this AIM business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe Cap just feels and Shield could dissect this guy. Yeah. SHIELD could dissect him. I don't know. Maybe Cap just feels like he's already contacted them, and now he just keep on keeps on doing stuff. But it does make you wonder.
0: So there's a little bit here on page three where the first arrow that is shot at Cap, he blocks with his shield. And he says, luckily, my it's electrified arrow. Mm-hmm. And he says, luckily, my gloves are insulated, so I can pluck the electrically charged arrow from my shield, which suggests to me that they're saying that the, sh- that the arrow penetrated his shield and was stuck oh, there. Oh, wow. Because, you know, we still haven't, like, established
1: that his shield is indestructible. Yeah. As of 1960-whatever. 66. So, whoops, a little. A little bit of whoops. And the idea of metal-piercing metal, I mean, that's that's not a really big deal. (laughs) That arrow was some major business if it went through his metal shield. Right. Maybe it's, like,
0: static cling and not, like, actually penetrated. It's just, like, hovering. Anyway. So
1: over in the X Men, we recently had the Mimic, and now we have uh-huh. the Mimic, but for the Avengers. Mm-hmm. But also, they're bringing the Mimic back in the X Men. Remember the last issue we read said next issue the Mimic.
0: So, yep.
1: do you think this is just a coincidence? Do you think that like they realize they're doing the same villain in two books? Do you think the Mimic and
0: Super Adapta are going to team up? Ooh, and call themselves the Copycats. That's
1: that's a buddy cop. Only bad guys.
0: The mimic is probably like the mimic is probably like, dang, super adaptoid's cooler because I could absorb Hawkeye's abilities to do arrows, but I can't create arrows out of nothing.
1: Oh yeah, and adaptoid is just like venoming, just like creating arrows out of whatever. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he could just do whatever. I don't know if it's. It's hard to say. Like I don't
0: know. Like unless they do something with the two of them at the same time, then we could probably just assume it's coincidence or just
1: running out of ideas. So copying themselves. I don't know. It's just the thing is like, it's, it's Stanley is writing both. Right. So like, even
0: mm-hmm. those different
1: artists maybe coming up with ideas separately. Stanley's like, okay, I want to go write mm-hmm. this bad guy over here and then go write the same bad guy over there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, maybe he's having so much fun with the adaptoid he decided to bring the mimic back.
1: Oh yeah. They say the word super adaptoid a lot in this issue. The super adaptoid himself oh, keeps calling yeah. himself the super adaptoid. And I just wonder if he's like if he's just trying to say his name so much until it sounds cool. I mean, I don't think it sounds mm-hmm. uncool, but it's also just kind of weird and kitschy and sort of that odd side of sci-fi that you don't always admit to. Super adaptoid. I have the means to make an adaptoid out of you
0: also. First of all, what? But it can only be done if the subject is willing. What,
1: what? That whole line of dialogue was weird to That me. is a weird plot element. So, like, I want to make you into yeah. my friend. But I can only do it if you want to be my friend. Right. Why do they have to be willing and how does he do it? Right. How does he turn
0: organic things into robotic mimicry machine parts? I don't know. Did you think it
1: looked... I don't know. When Cap was in the river, did you think it looked like he was dying?
0: It does seem like he's not in a good place. Right.
1: It's not a happy floating in the water.
0: But it does say he's desperately gasping for life. So I guess he's not dead. But he might not be alive alive. Maybe he needs to be rescued next issue. Maybe. I'm starting to forget. But you know, in reality, if the super adaptoid grabbed you or I and threw us as far as he threw Cap, it doesn't matter if we land in the water. This is true.
1: This is true.
0: Probably. So So there's that super soldier again. It's a side
1: note. Like, I've been thinking about that recently. Like... How a lot of times in comics think like superheroes just throw people and like they throw Mm -hmm. people into things or over distances that I feel like would seriously hurt or probably kill. And so Mm -hmm. does that count? Like if Batman throws a guy headfirst into a stone wall, that guy's Mm -hmm. not getting up right did batman just kill him does that count as batman killing the story doesn't acknowledge it so batman like brushes his hands and goes on about his day not caring that he just killed a guy i think legally that would he would be responsible for killing him because that's how people treat it in the movies like if batman does something that looks like it's gonna hurt somebody he just goes about his day and you're like "Ooh, batman just killed that guy and didn't even care he does that in the comics a lot i just read it in a story recently where he did that so it's just weird if you pick up a person and
0: throw them headfirst into a wall and they die, you can't say the wall killed them. I think you still get arrested. I think you do too.
1: I think you do too.
0: Yeah, because it's kind of your fault that they hit the wall.
1: Well, we were getting past the Captain America stories that I remember. I don't really remember what happens mm-hmm. from here. Um, I haven't looked ahead, so it could be something that I will remember once we get there. But like the Super Adaptoid story is the farthest out that I can easily recall when we're starting this run. Well, if he doesn't come back next issue
0: for a rematch, then that means Cap just straight up lost this one.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing I thought. At the end, it says a sweet scent of victory. I'm like, I don't think it was victory. I think you just lost the fight, and the guy who beat you up walked away. Yeah.
0: Maybe he's just victory in that he didn't die, because that was a lot of effort on his part not to die.
1: That is, I mean, staying alive is a kind of victory. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, he basically just fought all the avengers including himself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to some degree. So, and he lived. So that's pretty good. Anyway, I liked it. Fun. Yeah. See what happens next.
1: Good stuff. Amazing Spider-Man. Not some boring Spider-Man, guy. Uh, rhino on the rampage.
0: Yeah, god.
1: Uh that old thing. Okay, so <laughs> it says, we'll skip the explanations this-ish. No mere words of ours could possibly do justice to this action-packed thriller produced by Stan the Man Lee writer, John Ringading Ramita artist, Artie stout-hearted Simic letterer, and now fasten your seatbelts, we're off. Okay, so the rhino was captured a couple issues ago. He woke up last issue, and this issue, he's like, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I'm leaving. So the police and the doctors who are trying to study him are like, stop, get away. He's like, nope, I don't care. I'm going. Meanwhile, back at the Daily Bugle, Frederick Foswell shows up and sees that um, Ned Leeds liked it. So he put a ring on it. (laughs) Betty Brandt is now now. wearing a rock on her finger. They are engaged to be married. Mm. So J.J. Jameson, of course, has to come in and say, what are you all standing around here for? The rhino just escaped. I want that story. So they all go back to work. Um, Meanwhile, Peter Parker has just met the most amazing uh, female beauty to ever walk into his house. Mary Jane Watson is there having dinner or lunch or whatever it is with Peter and May and Anna. Um, Peter is totally smitten, completely. And she's like, you come on strong, but I kind of like it. So they turn on the uh, music show on the TV. They dance to some tunes. It's interrupted by news of the Rhino. Um, they decide that they're going to go take a bicycle ride into town. Peter's going to get some pictures of the Rhino and she wants to go see the excitement. Uh, Matt Murdock and Frederick Foswell are having a conversation about how the Rhino like, kind of blew his case by escaping. And uh, Frederick Foss was like, I really wish they'd given this case to you. And Matt Murdock's like, so do I, in his head. Um, Then the rhino decides that he wants to have a flashback. We find out he was basically um, a mercenary. He would, you know, do whatever they asked him to do as long as they paid him well. And he wasn't ever really very smart. And so a couple of scientists who were up to no good, uh, they told him, hey, we'll strengthen you and give you more power and pay you lots of money for letting us test this on you. He's like, "Cool, I like money as long as I get paid to whatever." So they cover him in a molecular adhesive. Mike, they paint him with glue. Uh-huh. Rhino Rhino glue. glue. It is glue that they shape into the form of a rhino. You've heard of gorilla glue, and I've heard of I mean um turtle wax. Same idea. Yeah, same okay. idea. Um, also they hit him with lots of laser beams to make him stronger. He says it also made him smarter. I think he just thinks that. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be. And, um, he decided. Fault or uh, dishonest narrator. Is that what that's called? Something yeah. Unreliable
0: narrator. That's it. Unreliable narrator. There
1: you go. And, um, he decides that he's going to go commit acts of sabotage that no one else could attempt. He uh, can get rich. Their nations will pay a fortune for the things he can do for them. And the first thing he was hired to do was go capture John Jameson to get John Jameson's spores from the spacewalk. Um, So, yeah, now he's in New York City trying to find John Jameson. Peter and Mary Jane arrive. Mary- Peter's like, okay, you stay here, pretty girl. I'm going to go get some pictures. He goes off. He changes to Spider-Man. He sets up his camera. I think this is the first time they have like a detailed description of how he sets his camera to automatic. But no, no, as I'm saying that, I realize mm-hmm. it's false. They did that in the Deco days, too. But in any case, he sets up his camera in automatic, take pictures of him and Rhino fighting, and they fight. And they fight and they bicker and they fight and they fight, 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 bicker, bicker, bicker. And they fight until um, Rhino, what does he do? He runs into a truck carrying a whole bunch of like I-beams, not Cyclops I-beams, but like road construction I-beams. And um, he thinks that Spider-Man was hit in the like collapse of stuff that he just caused. And so he figures Spider-Man's dead and he leaves. Spider-Man's not dead. He's just really badly hurt. Police officer pulls him out of the rubble. Frederick Foswell's like, what a story! Spider-Man saved by a police officer! Spider-Man goes and gets his camera. Um, he sees a fleck of rhino hide. In the wreckage is like, huh, ah, this could be interesting. He goes to get Mary Jane. Mary Jane's like, Hey, I didn't see us. I saw you didn't get any pictures. He's like, No, I got the pictures. i want to go sell them to the Daily Bugle. So he drops Mary Jane off at her apartment. He's like, Man, I wish I had my own apartment. Takes the pictures to James, John, J, J Jonah Jameson. Jameson gives him lots of money. Uh, John is still recovering in the hospital. So Peter's like, you know, I bet the rhino still wants John Jameson. No one else seems to think everyone else thinks that John is safe, but I don't think he's safe. But I don't really have anything I can do about it right now. But I do have a, a sample of his hide. I'm going to go talk to my favorite scientist, Kurt Connors. Um, so Spider-Man goes and visits Kurt and says, hey, can I bother you for a minute? And Kurt's like, hey, you saved my life. You turned me from the lizard back into a person. I owe you everything. I can stop whatever I'm doing and help you out. He's like, let's figure out a way to dissolve this hide. So they do. They do science until the science wins. So Spider-Man goes after the rhino. Actually, he goes after John Jameson's uh, hospital room just in time for the rhino to attack. So Spider-Man was right. The rhino's attacking. He covers the rhino in his webs. The rhino doesn't care. He breaks the webs and he keeps on fighting. But the covering of webs over his body... Although it doesn't immobilize him, it does stick to his hide. And after a few minutes, the chemical treatment that they did from Kirk Connors' science begins to eat through the molecular adhesive and basically acidically dissolve away the rhino hide. And it dissolves away his flesh and his muscles and his bones and the rhino dies. No. But he does get, he does lose his rhino skin and he's standing there in his little rhinos and the, um, the police show up. The, actually the military police are already there because they were protecting John Jameson. So they're able to take, uh, the rhino into custody. John gives a, a wink at Spider-Man. Spider-Man gives a wink at John Jameson. Peter drives away on his motorcycle. He sees his friends, Harry, Gwen, and also Flash is there. And they all find out that Flash has got his draft notice. Flash has been pulled into Vietnam, which um, leads to one of the little-known spinoffs of Marvel Comics that we'll talk about another time. Um, So... Harry and Gwen are like, hey, Flash, why don't you bury the hatchet with Peter before you go off to war? And Harry's and Flash is like, bury the hatchet? <laughs> Puny Parker couldn't even lift it. Yuck, yuck. I'm so funny. Parker, you suck. And Peter's like, okay, I'm leaving. Bye. He goes home and realizes that he has really good friends, except for Flash. Realizes that he, uh, Gwen is super pretty, but he also has Mary Jane. He really wants to have his own apartment He has a cool motorcycle. He sees his Aunt May and Aunt May's like, I've just been feeling weak all evening, Peter. I didn't want to worry you. I'll I'll, I'll get past it. It'll be fine. And Peter's like, okay, let me go check her medicine. (gasps) She doesn't have any more medicine because she probably never refilled the prescription because she probably doesn't have any money. Here I am living my fantastic life and the only woman who ever cared for me, who raised me from a baby is dying and i'm just a schmo so he calls mary jane he cancels their plans for sunday because he can't spend the money and um he goes into sadness to figure out what to do about his sick aunt next issue the lizard crawls again
0: that's a capsad panel if i've ever seen definitely one. capsad um is it called private thompson and his cranky superiors or it's called
1: Go. The- oh okay <laughs> It's all about uh, the wacky adventures that Flash Thompson gets up to while he's off on the Vietnam Army base. Ah, wow. Yeah. We're cooking now, kids.
0: This is probably why Spider-Man's popular, huh? Stuff like this. this
1: yeah, this is a good issue. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty awesome. There's just lots of cool aspects to it. Like There's, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And different aspects of his life and different aspects of the action – um, I realize it's a it's a really simple trope, but um, when it's done well, it's really effective to have the have two fights, have the fight, and uh-huh. then it has to fix something, and then they fight again. Like yep. that's been happening at least ever since the first Doctor Octopus story. But it just it Correct. really yeah, yeah. works here, and it brings back Kirk mm-hmm. Connors, which you can tell by the next issue box was a very intentional move. And you know we've had stories in the past where the villain was the
0: least interesting part of the issue. And I kind of feel like that's true here, but unlike those issues in the past, I do still find the Rhino stuff interesting. So it was a nice balance. Right. So
1: least compelling Um, uh, doesn't mean uncompelling in this issue. No,
0: it was still exciting. And I like the way he defeated him and all that, but there's so much other stuff going on. That was also really interesting. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, Peter, he's growing up, he's wanting to move out, but he's also kind of stuck with the idea that he needs to take care of his aunt and it's, it's a serious conflict. It's, it's a very realistic conflict that a young adult has to go through if they have, you know, unhealthy parents. Mm-hmm. Can I really go off and live on my own while they need me? Mm-hmm.
0: I am amazed that, I mean, they could just have never written Betty again. I feel like we had the goodbye. So I'm amazed that she's still in it and things are progressing for her.
1: Yeah, well, I feel like they had the goodbye and that, that closed the book on her and Peter. Mm-hmm. And Ditko probably would have left it closed, but Ramita brought her back to like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, they had that scene with her and Peter and how they really super duper did not connect. But he mm-hmm. brought her back in the book, not as a thing for Peter, just as another character to do stuff with.
0: Mary Jane is amazing. I never realized she was such a beatnik in these issues, but I loved every second of her stupid dialogue. Uh yeah, it's really easy to, like, fall in love with her immediately. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah,
1: she is so 60s. So 60s. So,
0: so I don't know, put you on the spot. When do they establish or who establishes that she knows he's Spider-Man this entire time? It is a
1: ways down the road. It's Jerry Conway who establishes it. Um, uh-huh. And it's it's either, I think it's whenever she reveals that she knows that he's Spider-Man, which is during the Alien Costume Saga. Mm. But that's not Jerry Conway, so I don't know. Um, so the 80s. but it's, Yeah, it's the 80s. So here's the thing, though.
0: I I don't know if I've read that story, but I've known that concept. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have read that story because they made like a graphic novel. Parallel which. Lives. Yeah, I did read that. But um, I'm reading this like she knows. And even though as they're writing this in the 60s, they didn't think of that, it
1: works. There are very few times where it seems weird. Most of the time it works very well. It does in this issue. Yeah. It's her idea. He's like,
0: how am I going to extract myself? And she's like, we should go down and check out the rhino together. Mm-hmm. Wink, wink. Like, he needs to be there. And then when he takes off, she's like, okay, I'll see you later. And there's no Lois Lane moments of, where's that Clark Kent when all the danger is here? No, she's just like, I hope Peter comes back soon, like, covering for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I mean, it totally and works. And it
1: does really invert that whole Lois Lane Clark Kent thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, Okay. Not to backtrack the conversation, but like bringing Betty Brant back into the book, not Mm -hmm. as a love interest for Peter. Yeah. And this book also has Gwen Stacy. Now, granted, Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane are both love interests for Peter, but they're not just that. Like Gwen Stacy is kind of doing her own thing over there. Mm. And so this book has three female characters in the supporting cast None of whom is directly related to Peter, because, you know, mm-hmm. even though Peter likes Mary Jane, they're not going to date immediately. So, yeah, he's currently dating none of them. he's currently <laughs> dating none of them. So even just from the like gender perspective, this book is doing some really interesting stuff that Marvel just isn't doing anywhere else. Mm hmm
0: uh i like you're right that comment where uh i was thinking the same thing right i was like and i got smarter it's like you're not really known for that so no if you did get smarter the <laughs> bar was very low before <laughs> yeah i mean you must have been really dumb before you got smarter He's always
1: but- portrayed as dumb spider-man's always making fun of him for being dumb and um I'm curious at this point to know how he gets back into the costume and why he gets back into the yeah. costume. Cause yeah. I mean, you've read deadly foes. One of his driving points later in his narrative is, can I please get out of this costume? I hate it. Mm-hmm. Same with scorpion. And I think just
0: at least those two yeah. are always complaining about being stuck and blaming other people for it. I was kind of surprised that they melted off his skin so quickly. Cause yeah, it obviously
1: doesn't last. Mm-hmm. What's weird about that particular deadly foe's timing is like they finish the deadly foe's mini series, he gets out of the costume and he's living his life, and then immediately, an amazing Spider-Man, they have him back in the costume again. So they mm. have to like explain why he decided to go back into the life when he was finally free of it. Uh, addiction. Addiction. Something. Probably. I think it was Kingpin had something over him.
0: I mean, I I don't really remember them explaining the camera before, but if they did, I don't think they did it as well as they did in this. Mm-hmm. issue, I like the little like, antenna that it has. I'm not sure exactly what purpose mm-hmm. that serves, but yeah, it's like, a, Oh, I assume it's motion capture. I don't know. Oh. Like it only clicks if something's moving, I'm totally making that up. I have no idea, but I like it. It's a whole page of like explaining how he sets it up and mm-hmm. stuff. That's mm-hmm.
1: neat. Later they'll um, the bring in the idea that he has a device in his spider symbol that like the oh. uh, camera focuses on. And so it's always, it's always pointing itself toward him. Mm. A little bit of Foggy and Daredevil in this one. Foggy and Matt. That was cool. Cool little moment. I don't know why. I wish the court had appointed you to represent him instead of me. So do I, partner. So do I. Really, Matt? Like, why? I mean, Foggy obviously is not enjoying this case, but it's not that big a deal. Because because if he was there as Rhino's lawyer when Rhino tried to escape, he would have stopped him.
0: He would have stopped him. And Foggy just covered his head and cried. Would have stopped him You know what else? They're really really playing up this thing like that Foggy and Karen are both hating these dangerous cases. So I have a feeling one of the next plot points is going to be, we're going off on our own to be insurance adjusters.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or something. Something like Um, that.
0: You know what I don't like, though? Is where he's thinking, I wish Daredevil could go after him now, but the web slinger deserves first crack at him. That's such a boy thing. Mm -hmm. Like, like we're talking about a villain who could potentially cause destruction and death. And isn't it okay to outnumber him? Do we have to have an ego? You know, don't step on Spider-Man's ego. Let him try first by himself. Like team up. Yeah. Go ahead. Just team up and take him out. It's it's that would
1: be better. It's a very boy thing. It's I don't want to use the word lazy. Cause I kind of hate the phrase lazy writing. Mm. Um, but it is an easy way to explain why Matt's not going after him. That doesn't really stand up to reality. Mm-hmm. Um, when they call him molecular adhesive, I was just like, really? He's just reminds me of that scene in Ren and Stimpy. How do the socks stay up? They're full of glue. Um, I like the cop
0: saving him. That was a cool little twist. I think they're trying to, play up cops being awesome right now for some reason something must have happened but sometimes I read these things and go I wonder what's going on in real life where they felt
1: the need to throw that in there yeah because uh, Peter like has a thing he's like he's gonna be a blue booster from now on and I'm yeah. just like, okay probably the need to keep the peace in New York was you know the, the crime was on the rise or whatever because mm-hmm. at some point the city has to descend into being as bad as it was in the 80s so maybe that's what was starting mm-hmm. around this time I don't know hmm great to see Connors first
0: Vermita Connors. Yes. Uh, um, I did know. It's cool that like the next, I don't know, spoilers, but it says next issue, the lizard or something. Um, and I thought about that because as I'm reading this, it's like, I think he's already messing around. I don't know. Cause I haven't read ahead, but he's talking weird in this. Like he keeps saying, do you want me to help you as the lizard? And it's like up until this point, he's agreed that the lizard was a pretty bad thing to happen mm-hmm. to him. And now it's like, I could help you as the lizard. And Spidey's like, mm, that's a horrible idea. Yeah. See you later. And now I'm wondering if, like, behind the scenes, he's already messing around with being the lizard and we just don't know so that's it. That's the
1: opposite of what we want to have happen right now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, the lizard's taking over his brain. Um, there is that Marvel Tales reprint series. And I'm just kind of curious right now, randomly, as we're, as we're looking at this, like, when it reprinted the lizard story because I kind of feel like he might've been inspired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Y'all the lizard story was reprinted in April. This is September. So if John Romita came on the book and read a lot of the Spider-Man stories from the reprints in Marvel tales, if that's how he kind of got to know the character a little bit, then there could mm-hmm. be a direct inspiration from reading that to bring back the lizard. Hmm. Peter's so dramatic.
0: Something came up, Mary Jane. Can't make it tomorrow night. That's okay. I'll keep a stip off her lip and you can call me later. And she's like, she could care less. Mm-hmm. Cry. <laughs> it's like, dude, you guys hung out one time. Yeah. Is she supposed
1: to ball already? Because that's kinda psycho and scary if she does. And like, you know, you you kinda yeah, like you say, it's kind of scary if she were to like overreact. Uh-huh. Yeah, she, she reacts very uh, normally yeah. to a, okay, well, you know, right. that's fine. Let me know yeah. what happens. Yeah,
0: yeah. And plus, he'd probably be upset if she gave him a hard time about it. So either way, right. she can't win with this guy, Peter.
1: I kind of really Ugh. love the expression work on the bottom of that page, though, that, that bottom left panel. Uh-huh. Yeah, where he's upset. Yeah. It's a fantastic facial expression there.
0: Good issue. Very exciting. And it's over. So a whole new setup, I guess, with the lizard next mm-hmm.
1: issue and now it's time for something just a bit more fantastic
0: speaking of setups round I don't know two or three of this maybe enter dr doom fantastic four number fifty seven
1: there's no the on the cover
0: also uh undeniably the world's greatest arch villain and don't dare miss our swinging super duper guest stars
1: no, I said there's uh there's no the on the cover
0: there's no the that's on the all cover.
1: I say who are the super duper guest stars? I don't even know what they're talking about. Um, anyway, the wizard in the, um, that's a super duper guest star. Okay. That's who they're proud of in the inside. <laughs>
0: Enter dot, 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 Dr. Doom, exclamation point. Also featuring the sinister specter of the sensational Sandman, co-starring the wizard, the Inhumans, the Silver Surfer. Okay, I guess there's a lot of superstars in this. Additional proof, if any, still be needed, that this is now and forever the Marvel Age of Comics, panoramically produced by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, inking Joe Sinnott, lettering Artie Samek. And we just start out right into the action. So I guess at some point, if we go by the dialogue, the prison... Invited, quote unquote, the Fantastic Four to Fantastic Three, because Johnny's AWOL still, uh, invited them to come over and talk, I guess, like hear out the Wizards um, um, parole hearing. And if they agreed to do that, the Wizard would spill the beans on everything he knows about everything, including himself. So they did show up, but it turns out it was all a trap because they walk into a bunch of guards that are unconscious, and behind them is the Sandman, and he attacks. And there's lots of sandy, sandy, sand fight stuff. And ultimately, Reed Richards outsmarts him kind of by turning on an air vent, and it slurps the Sandman away. Um, And then the thing crushes the air vent, so he can't come back. Also, I guess the wizard was there the whole time and he's being held down by the police who are now all storming into the room. Um, and he's like, yeah, I faked an illness and, you know, I'm really smart and I'm the wizard. And you'll never catch Sandman and he'll come back and free me. so sort of like, ah, now we got to capture Sandman. Meanwhile, we cut to Latveria where we last saw the Silver Surfer. And he's still standing on this mountain when this like technologically advanced uh drone comes over and delivers a message that says, Summons Royale, please come to the hall and be honored by Royal Command Doom. So he's like, hey, I've never been summoned by a king before. I guess I'll go over there. So he's like, hi, I'm Silver Surfer. And she's like, hello, I'm Dr. Doom. He's like, oh, okay, cool. It's like, I noticed your surfboard is really awesome. He's like, "Yes, yeah, Power Cosmic. And he shows it off, and Dr. Doom starts drooling. He's like, oh, I." Dr. Doom's like, well, I bet you can't just do anything with that cosmic power, can you? Like, make an awesome weapon or something? Just a uh, spitballing. And Submariner's like, or Submariner, Silver Surfer's like, yes, I can. And he creates this cool-looking, like, cosmic mace that's super light. And, and the minute, like, Dr. Doom barely taps it on his castle wall, the whole thing crumbles. And he's like, with this weapon, I could totally red skull the world. And the red, and the Silver Surfer's like, nope. And he dissolves it. He's like, I don't know. You seem a little power-hungry and weird. And Dr. Doom's like, no, no, I'm cool. Let me show you some cool stuff. And we cut back to the FF and uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm are at home and they're on the walkie-talkie with with uh, the thing who's flying around on one of those cool motorcycle flying things looking for the Sandman. But turns out the Sandman's back at the Baxter building the whole time. He sneak attacks them through the window. He grabs onto Invisible Girl first, which really hacks off Reed Richards. So he turns into this cool little disc and like splices through him and then they get into like a stretchy fight. And then Invisible Woman, or Invisible Girl, I'm sorry, puts an invisible shield around her husband. And so the, the Sandman can't get him. And then he's like, okay, now lower the force field. And he does that. She does that real quick. And he grabs a electro gun. And he's like, look, it creates electric charges that even your sand can't handle. But he's like, oh, yeah, but if I punch it, you can't handle it either. And it, like, backfires. And then the Sandman goes underneath this door that's called Advanced Equipment Storage Unit and reed's like dang it i didn't expect him to be smart enough to get past that whole weapon thing i came up with now i can't it takes me at least five minutes to get through this door because of all the security by the time he gets in there the sandman's gone and half the stuff's gone and reed's like well he didn't take everything cool so i speculate he doesn't really know what he grabbed and he's just hoping that he grabs something that the wizard can do something with, with which the wizard probably can because he's the wizard uh, we go back to Latveria, and Dr. Doom is showing off somewhere in his castle this giant splash page of Kirby technology. And he's basically like telling the Silver Surfer, like, what a good ruler he is, and everybody loves him, and all this is for science. And yes, this giant robot that shoots lasers out of his eyes seems like it's really destructive and oppressive, but it's really just to help mankind. And the Silver Surfer, the whole time, is like, You know, your words are good, but I just sense something icky about you. So I'm kind of on the fence. And at which point, Dr. Doom's like, oh, well, in the meantime, while you're thinking about whether you like me or not, look at one of my telescopes. And he turns on this monitor and there's like space that dr doom monitors and if we recall silver surfer used to hang out in space a lot and he misses it so he gets super happy and distracted and he's just like ah space this is so cool and while he's doing that the minions of dr doom like fit dr doom with this crazy kirby apparatus and then while the silver surfer is distracted dr doom I don't know what they are, some sort of high-intensity inducers. That's what they are. And he puts them right on Silver Surfer's face, and there's all this Kirby crackle for, like, three panels, and then a giant splash page of the Silver Surfer on the floor, powerless as Doctor Doom hovers before him with Kirby crackle energy and maniacally laughing, yes, I am cosmic-powered Doctor Doom now. And if that's not cool, this might be, I don't know. We cut to... uh, What's that guy's name again? Lockjaw randomly teleporting Wyatt and Johnny Storm around. He teleports them to some Godzilla island where all these giant things are fighting each other. Just before one of them steps on the three of them, Lockjaw teleports again to who knows where. Next issue, we cut to where they're trying to go, though the negative barrier. Black Bolt is still unconscious. Everybody's at his bedside. Magnus comes in and says, hey, you guys, did you know the secret this whole time Black Bolt could talk? And Medusa knows that he can talk, and only the two of them and myself know why that he's not. So he's like creating some sort of weird tension amongst the ranks. And then the end of the issue is Doctor Doom flying around with the Power Cosmic on the Silver Surfer's board, blowing up his own people, and the Fantastic Four at home, like kind of bored, but feeling like something bad's really about to happen. Next issue, the
1: FF defeated. Yeah. Yeah. So, dang. Speaking of books full of stuff happening. Yeah. I really. Yeah, this was fun. I really, really like Kirby's Sandman. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that, too. Like, for a Ditko character, Kirby has really embraced Mm -hmm. him. Does a great job. I don't like the look, the visual look that he changes next time we see him. I think it's next time. Because he's going to get like a mm. totally different look soon. I kind of hate that look, but he does a really good job with it here. Well, he's back to green again. He was purple. For oh, a that's while. right. He was purple for a while. Uh. And this is our first reference to the Frightful Four being in jail since their plot thread literally disappeared from the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are the, uh, oh, the trapsters missing. Right. We know where Medusa is. Spe- Do we know where trapster is? Did they ditch him or something? I can't remember. Uh, conceivably, he's in another <laughs> cell not getting talked about because the wizard actually doesn't really care about him. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, speaking of plot threads that completely disappeared, I was listening to one of our older episodes recently, and do you remember Whitey Mullins, the football player, and the coach who was, like, down on his luck? Yes. Yeah, that's that's all gone. That is, that's
0: bizarre. They were, like, setting up this college drama, and then they just decided to do Lockjaw instead. Yeah, Lockjaw instead. Which- Which I'm bummed out by, because the Lockjaw thing is probably my least
1: favorite thing going on right now. Well, it seems to be, like, you know, just- a bunch of nothing, right? Like they're running really hard Uh, on a treadmill going nowhere lost in space, but like even less important. So I said last time that I was going to reread the Inhumans narrative. That's been like going on like one or two pages, every issue for a while now. And so I did Mm -hmm. and it does all connect. It does all make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I think what felt disconnected last issue is, um, so, this is 57. They were in last issue. Black Bolt was unconscious. 55, they didn't show up at all. And 54 is whenever they had the big old device. Um, Black Bolt screamed into this, like, you know, sound amplifier thing that was going to blow up the wall. And they cut mm-hmm. off with him screaming, no explanation mm-hmm. of what happened next. And two issues later, mm-hmm. he's unconscious. And there's all mm. of this explanation of how and why he's unconscious. Right. S- yeah, two issues later, too. That did right. Happen. So it's like it did feel disconnected because they had to really explain what had happened, but it's not like you know before with the Inhumans where they completely transitioned the narrative and didn't explain why. Mm. Um, but yeah, so we have the fight at the beginning. What 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 notes do I have? Cool fight. It is a very cool fight. And um, Sue gives a recap on page. Is it four? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is great. She's like, "Read, darling." Johnny's still searching for the Inhumans. We never know when the Silver Surfer will return. The mystery of subspace is always beckoning. And now this old menace is threatening us anew. And the thing is, like, forget it, Susie. After a guy like Galactus, these two crumbs don't hardly rate. And uh, it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, the wizard doesn't matter. After Galactus, who cares about the wizard?
0: But then she, I like her point too, though. But Galactus is gone and they're still here. That's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. He's in Thor now.
1: So, Silver Surfer discovers Doctor Doom.
0: Yeah, this was fun. I like Doctor Doom pretending to be trying to be good, but not very good at it.
1: Okay, so I took the panel where he uh, he's talking to. I think it's later in the story. He's talking to this Silver Surfer, and he's like, "Everyone loves mm-hmm. me. I'm I'm so amazing." And I just took that panel because it's Doom being ridiculously Doom, and I just posted it with mm-hmm. no comment or no ca- context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everyone immediately took it as a Trump
0: panel. Of course. Or, of course. Actually, I'm, I'm the gentlest, most
1: unambitious of monarchs. Right. I hear they sing my praises in the streets at the merest mention of my name. Anytime someone says they are the something asked, yeah,
0: that's going to be Trumpisms at this point.
1: Um, Dr. Doom uh, says, uh, Silver so is like, I'm going to restore your chambers. So stand back. And Dr. Doom's like, there's no need for that. My service will set it right. It's like, why do something for yourself when there's slavery?
0: <laughs> that seemed, yeah, it's like, geez, Doom, you're the worst, because like that's going to take them forever to rebuild that wall, and it probably would have taken Silver Surfer five seconds. Right, right. Uh, but whatever, if
1: you want to live with a big hole
0: in your castle, that's cool.
1: Yeah, it's not doing anyone any favors. Uh, it's
0: neat to see, like, I mean, I think we've fought at Latveria's castle before, but I liked all this, like, I don't know where they are, the basement or something, but all this cool tech development and everything. hmm
1: Well, I I also just like seeing Latveria and seeing how Dr. Doom was portrayed in that country because it's, it's Mm -hmm. evolving and it's evolving very organically. But when we first got introduced to Latveria, everybody loved their ruler, but there was a hint of sinister undercurrent whenever like Mm -hmm. Dr. Doom wouldn't help the boy medically because he wanted to get the Fantastic Four or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. every time we visit it, the relationship between him and his people is revealed to be less and less awesome. And like the love for their leader might be like a forced thing.
0: Yeah, which is kind of a shame because sometimes it's like, well, maybe Dr. Doom's right and he would lead this whole world better than how we are doing it. You know, mm-hmm. if there's peace on earth on his little country. But then we get like the guy accidentally bumping into him in this story and like worrying that Dr. Doom's going to kill him in theory. Right. Or what does he call it? The ultimate punishment, whatever that is. Whatever that is. So it's like, yeah, Dr. Doom has definitely got anger issues and ego issues. And it's not just about being the best ruler.
1: And I kind of hate that Silver Surfer seems to be buying into all of this so naively. I mean, he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't really trust what's going on here. But also, I don't know what lying is. So you must be telling the truth Mm -hmm. here.
0: Well, I actually kind of think like, I'm glad that. He didn't just buy new because even up till the end when he showed him his space picture is like, what does he say? You are glib, Earthling. You have a way with words. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he still is buying it, especially after witnessing the, him almost kill that guy. Right. But uh, I also feel like the Silver Surfer is so powerful. He probably just in general has an attitude of being chill. Yeah. Maybe. Because he, he can. Because nothing can hurt him. Right. Or he at least he thought so until
1: Kirby came along. And I love how they, they just put space in front of Silver Surfer and Silver Surfer cares about nothing else. <gasps> it's space. And they're like, fine, get him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was the whole plan. The first time Dr. Doom gets himself some power
1: won't be the last. No, but- no, it won't. And you were right. It was very Red Skull. Like I feel like maybe doing the Red Skull story inspired themselves. Why don't we do the same thing with Dr. Doom?
0: Mm-hmm. I feel like Dr. Doom would make better use of the Cosmic Cube than the Red Skull. But yeah, yeah. I don't know that he's ever dabbled in the Cosmic Cube before. He must have at this point.
1: I don't know if he ever gets the Cosmic Cube, but they, they do play with the cosmic power a few times over the years, I feel like. Well, yeah, for sure. He's gotten more power than this at some point. Um, Two thoughts about the whole uh, Johnny Wyatt Wingfoot scene with Lockjaw. They land in this Mm -hmm. dimension or planet or time or whatever, where there's like all these monsters. And the first thing Johnny Mm -hmm. does is, okay, I'm going to leave the dog and fly Mm -hmm. around. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if I landed here, the last thing I would do is leave the dog. Because what if the dog just decides (sighs) to teleport again? Right. Yeah. Good point. Also, what if Lockjaw isn't trying to keep them from crystal? What if this is just what he does for fun? You know, crypto goes on those space romps, right? And so Superboy only mm-hmm. sees him every now and then. What if Lockjaw just likes to hop around and, and teleport and jump dimensions and see stuff? Well, the last
0: place he teleported him to was his food source. So, yeah, he could just be making the rounds. Right. Maybe he likes these things. I don't know. We don't know what his – What his? Uh, they keep saying they're trying to train him to go home. <laughs> but I don't know how you train Lockjaw, but whatever.
1: Why is Wyatt here? That's weird. I think – Honestly, the more I think about, it, I feel like why it was just brought in to be somebody for Johnny to talk to.
0: It has to be, yeah. He was
1: brought in before this trip to before the trip to Black Panther. Um, maybe he was brought in as a friend for for Johnny to have at college, and they just they keep doing other stuff. So they feel like, well, they made this character, they've got to use him, and so he's just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was going to be part of that football plot, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they wanted him to be on the team. Hmm. Um. Anyway, though. Good issue. Yeah, the only other thing I was going to say is that they play with the whole, like, what is Black Bolt and what is his secret? And they, they dance uh-huh. around a mystery there. And I just, mm-hmm. it's one of those plot structures that I feel like is making a big mystery out of something that probably shouldn't be a mystery based on what we, you know, know about Black Bolt and how inhumans work and everything. Mm hmm. But I don't know for sure.
0: Yeah, he said. Magnus says, if Black Bolt talks, you'd all be free. But only Medusa and Black Bolt and me know why he doesn't talk. Right. So then they're like, you're a lion. Medusa wouldn't
1: be like that. but Or would she? Uh, is she our friend? But yeah, but we're going to find out that him not talking is just part of his inhuman ability. And everyone in the Inhumans knows how inhuman abilities work. And
0: I thought we already knew that because when he screamed, it like blew up the thing that was going to blow them all up so i think
1: they didn't really explicitly say that they did they didn't really go into why his speaking was going to be such a big deal the the i'm not positive i feel like we might be reading into it with our own knowledge probably probably yeah because i I guess they haven't really said what his powers
0: are other than he's really fast at fighting
1: um but yeah i don't know we have dr doom he's He's all cosmicked up, and the Fantastic Three are all mopey. They're Johnnyless, mm-hmm. and it looks like they're going to be defeated again next issue. They haven't been defeated yep. since issue thirty-four or thirty-six, whenever that <laughs> was. Yeah, the final. Uh, the the Fearless Four, Fearless, mm-hmm. frightful, frightful. frightful Four got them. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? I got it. I guess that's it then. That's it. That was our fourth issue. This This just flew by. This felt like a really really fast recording. Well, all the issues were good. That's. Fairly unusual. Honestly, it has been of late. Not -hmm. that things are bad. It's just things are rarely, like, always good.
0: Yeah. I mean, even Sergeant Fury was good
1: this time. Yeah. So that's really weird. Okay. Well, um, I forget what happens next. Do I ask you where they can find us? No, do I do the homework? Homework. Homework for next time. Okay. So we're going to finish up September next episode. So be sure to read Strange Tales 151, uh, which has... Nick Fury versus um, Hydra and Doctor Strange doing something um, with Umar, the untouchable. Mm -hmm. No, she's not untouchable. She's Umar, the sister of Dormammu. We also have the Mm -hmm. Avengers 34 against the living laser. Jeez, that seems like a short issue. Uh, Thor 135, the maddening menace of the super beast, uh, later to be called the man beast. And finally, another Sergeant Fury, two episodes of Sergeant Fury back-to-back, uh, Sergeant Fury 37, In the Desert to Die. Because for some reason, in October, there was only one first-week book. Thor was the mm. only first-week book, and everything else was on the 11th. So since They got late. Yeah, Sergeant Fury was the earliest of the 11th, so he's our second thing to cover. Okay. So, yeah. Um, where can they find us if they want to talk to us about everything we've said?
0: Well... Makearsmarvel.com has all the episodes on there. Also has links to some of your more popular podcast apps. It's got a link to a generic RSS feed and it's got a contact form you can use to comment on what we've just said tonight, or you can write directly podcast at makearsmarvel.com.
1: You can follow us on Twitter. The show is at Marvel. John Reed Comics is my Twitter, Twitter feed. Uh, Mike is at Kaiser the Great. My other shows are on my pinned tweet. Return to Cybertron Transformers UK Podcast is at TFUK Podcast. All the Pouches and Image Comics Podcast is at All the Pouches. And, um, yeah, go follow us over there. We like to talk about comics. You should come talk about comics with us. And that brings us to yet another episode. 135 in the bag. Yay! All right, so come back next week, y'all. And until then, or until the other Iron Man is... Norman, a green goblin, Osborne. Dun, dun, dun. Make ours marvel.